0: All right. Uh, another episode of a media camp podcast. I'm here with Yag. Great to have you. I was looking forward to meeting you.
1: Hey, it's such a pleasure to meet you, Sergi. You know, uh, I've been following your content for long and, uh, good to uh, put a face to the name and have this conversation today.
0: Likewise. You know, it's interesting to you. We follow each other on LinkedIn. You see other people's content on LinkedIn and it's always nice to meet in person. Absolutely. You were posted today. Speaking of LinkedIn, you posted about epic conversation you had with Guy Kawasaki on this hot new Clubhouse app. What, what, what was this? What's the story?
1: <laughs> right. It it was really fun. I mean, Clubhouse is one app where uh, you just get to have uh, random conversations with people, and sometimes it's it's such a leveling ground that you can uh, have equal conversations. I mean, conversations on equal footing with pretty much anyone around the world. Um, so it so happened that today morning uh, in India time. Guy Kawasaki was doing an AMA, ask me anything kind of a setup. And they were like, uh, probably about 2000 people or 200 people. I don't exactly remember. And people get to raise their hand and they get picked and, uh you know they can ask questions to him and he answers pretty much anything and it so happened that my name was uh, one of those difficult names like when i was among the probably uh, 100 or 200 people who raised their hands and guy was like uh, what is your name it's Yagan. Uh, can you come on the can you come on the show please and i was like wow this is this is amazing and then when i went about i asked him uh, Guy, you have been a product evangelist. I, I, as a person, you know, I love uh, narrative building and I do the evangelism uh, for the set of products in MarTech. MarTech is my forte. And uh, I asked him, like, what are the one or two qualities that you look for? And he said, first things first, I would look for an evangelist's name that is, uh, you know, easily pronounceable. He made that a joke, but on a serious note, he spoke about uh, how you need to really love the product so that you can back it. You know, it it comes from your heart. When it comes from the heart, you can speak about it. He even went about giving an example saying that uh, if Windows was offered to him, uh, you know, if Microsoft came in and offered a job to him, uh, he wouldn't have been that passionate because he really loved Apple and Macintosh. And that made him what uh, he used to do uh, with Apple in those days.
0: That's a great one. That's a great one. Absolutely. Your values have to be like with aligned with the product. Otherwise, it's just too hard, especially if it's a different philosophy of uh, the way the whole like Microsoft in this case works.
1: Absolutely. In fact, something that I've always believed is that um, as a person, you know, you need to choose a set of things that gone are the days where we used to uh, align ourselves to a company and align to a job. But right now it's uh, important for you to look back uh, at your personality and uh, the way you want to express yourself and look for cultures and organizations that suit you so that you can thrive there. So it's it's just turned the other way around.
0: Don't look at the the finance first or the how much money the company raised.
1: <laughs> definitely you know i'm a bootstrap head so i never look at that uh if a company talks all about fundraising all the time i stay away from them i look at you know what are they really passionate about and why, what is it they want to do uh are they a category creator are they do do they want to uh make a difference in the market is what what is their ultimate motive? If the companies are, you know, when I look back at their uh, uh, LinkedIn company page and all they are talking about is they acquired this company, they raised, uh, you know, F round of funding, G round of funding. I'm like, no, I don't want to get into this business.
0: It's a great criteria. Now <laughs> I want to get into Clubhouse. Clubhouse, a hot new thing. Um, I haven't registered yet, but I've heard a lot about it. Um, What is your experience like? I know it's a new concept. Maybe you can talk a little bit about the concept. What makes it so crazy in terms of user growth right now? And um, just your thoughts on it. You wrote an article on this thing.
1: Yes, I did. Uh, you know, the fun part about Clubhouse is that pretty much everyone was hyping around it. The kind of FOMO that you have around Clubhouse for all the people who have not been a part of it is so huge. And I know of so many people who have bought an iPhone or probably even an iPad to just get into Clubhouse. So <laughs> that's that's Crazy. the power of uh, marketing that these guys have done. All just, you you know, making sure that the fear of missing out is so big. So what Clubhouse is, is that it's, it's a social media platform. Uh, The only difference is you don't use text. It's purely uh, voice-based. It's completely audio. You cannot even DM anyone. Mm. You just can follow someone or uh, think of it like, you know, you walk into a trade show where there are several rooms where uh, separate separate tracks where people are talking on different topics and you go into one of those tracks which interests you Uh, or maybe it can be because, uh, you know, you're either interested in the topic or you see a set of folks that you think you can relate to or uh, relevant to your domain. And then you walk in, then um, you know, you listen to what they're talking, and then you raise your hand, you get invited on stage, and then you ask a question. Or the other way around, you can also host a room, uh, and uh, you know you can conduct any kind of session. I've also seen some of the people conducting podcasts and also uh, playing it live on Clubhouse. In a sense, what they do is right now, the kind of conversation that we are having, we could have Clubhouse live. And uh, we could go on recording. And once we finish it, we can extend it into a and a session. That also happens. So there is an opportunity to do one-to-many conversation. At the same time, there is also an opportunity to do one-to-one closed rooms where nobody else is allowed to enter. You right. just can start a closed room. You can have a conversation. So, yeah, it's purely voice-based. One thing that I really love is it has added depth to some of the relationships that I've already established on LinkedIn. You know, uh, I, I might have seen a lot of people for a long time. I might have followed their content. But coming back to uh, Clubhouse, it puts a voice to their uh, voice and emotion to the kind of discussion that you bring in and you feel, okay. this is the person and I can build deeper relationships with them.
0: And if let's say we are speaking on Clubhouse, could you raise a hand while we are speaking and do a Q&A while we are doing the show? yeah yeah,
1: absolutely yeah yeah just imagine this like you know you attending a zoom webinar uh, and then you know uh, you are amongst the set of people listening to it and you have a raise your hand button you just click on that and uh, it notifies the moderators and uh, they just uh, one of the moderators can uh, invite you to the stage and then you go on the stage you mute yourself you wait for your turn and then uh, you can ask your question or you can contribute to the discussion And then you have an option to move back to the audience, or you can stay on the stage if you want to contribute further.
0: What I noticed, uh, that was about two years ago, and I'm from Ukraine. I'm from Eastern Europe. I'm not from Canada. I'm uh, here like I'm an immigrant effectively. And uh, what I noticed was I've been two years, like two years ago, I've been home and I noticed this incredible explosion um, with uh, voice notes back and forth with people. They use Viber, Viber, pretty much the same as WhatsApp, the same as Telegram. But most of them where I noticed this huge jump where people moved from text, which was dominating before, specifically mm-hmm. in Eastern Europe, to voice notes, back and forth, back and forth. Here in North America, I haven't seen that massive difference, but uh, I think this is what Clubhouse Uses as the the prime prime concept.
1: Yeah, right? but when you look at voice notes, there you know it's it's used as a supplementary to text conversation. Like people do that on WhatsApp, people do that on uh, say Telegram or any of the other uh, mediums. Yeah. But the point is uh, here, you don't have a texting option. The only option you have right here is uh, just you know talk. But the major difference between you know uh, some of the apps that you mentioned is that here it's completely ad hoc. You know you cannot record or resend or do something. It's it's like it's live. You go there, talk to someone. In the moment, like you don't know what's coming at you, and you just have to uh, speak in the moment. So it's it's right. that way. I would say it's very authentic.
0: Interesting. Um, I mean, the only the only thing left is to really try it. That's it.
1: <laughs> <Right>. <laughs>
0: okay, so I guess so I added you, to the hype. <laughs> yeah, there we go. I'm, I'm in. Uh, you've been featured in one of the Forbes articles, and one of the one of your colleagues, um, she has mentioned um, that improved storytelling. Will be one of the things that will be super important in the future as a trend i mean storytelling always a fundamental thing of really good marketing uh, in pretty much any form if we talk about improved storytelling or storytelling on the next level just because everybody's creating content more podcasts more videos all of it what does it mean to you what do you see as a better story or maybe a format that is somewhat different
1: Right. When I look at storytelling, you know, I pretty much think that uh, it it goes across formats. It's not like, you know, audio or video or uh, text. Uh, it can be in any form. But the point is, it needs to connect with you. You know, it needs to uh, be very authentic. I mean, I know the word authentic gets thrown around a lot. Uh, you know, it's it's one of those words like value. Uh, we don't really <laughs> respect the value of those words. But in reality, uh, I think, um, you know, I'm I'm a person who strongly believes in narrative building. And I, uh, I, I think that every company should take a position. You know, they need to pick some sort of an opposition or something to fight against or uh, take a stand and uh, have that kind of voice. When you look at it, say, uh, you know, just take chatbots. There is Intercom, then there is Drift. And then there are a set of other products. Now you don't look at Intercom and Drift the same way because when you think of Intercom, you're probably thinking of customer service, customer support, and customer That's engagement a- kind of a kind of a service. And when you're thinking of Drift, you're talking about sales and marketing. So uh, that is what you need to actually bring in that uh, category design and narrative into the mindset of people and build that emotion with them. That is what, in my mind, is um, you know storytelling. The interactivity or not is is not. I wouldn't be concerned so much because today right now we can interact with any kind of content it's there but it needs to push you to interact you know it needs to motivate you to connect in some way so that you feel like interacting with them so that's what i would call as improved storytelling or the way we need to go forward i mean a lot of people are doing a great job at it but i think uh, it's probably under one percent of the content writing population though Mm. it's
0: also like uh, uh, nailing those fundamentals that you have said. Super, super critical, absolutely. But it's it's also like telling a richer story, hopefully. It's not like, <laughs> oh, this is a, I opened my playbook and this is a stage they called awareness. Uh, so what do I have? Okay, let's see. I have this thing. Let me write that. That's not quite, I think, what they improved story telling exactly.
1: Exactly. You know, uh, some of the problem is that, you know, if, uh, people think of uh, it like a funnel uh, and people think there is top of the funnel, mid funnel, bottom funnel. Uh, it helps you with the thought process, but the problem is nobody is passing through those funnels in that linear fashion today. You know, it's, it's all absolutely ad hoc. Um, for example, if you look at a product like HRFs, you know, uh, they are not just talking different funnel stages. When you look at some of their blogs, it's, it's so beautifully done. They talk about a problem related to SEO Then you can quickly, uh, they show that what part of the product solves that problem, but they're not being salesy. They say that, hey, this is how you go about solving this problem. They just focused on the problem alone. But in that context, you see different parts of the product as screenshots and you know, okay, this is how I go about doing it. Now that's wholly different because now if you're convinced, you're going to go and buy. So it's not like I'm giving you awareness content then I'm making you consider, then I'm making you take a decision. And then you, you go through the negotiations. It's it's, it's not going to happen. Like if you are playing in the SaaS world right now, I don't think people have so much of time. Uh, and um, it, it also depends on the budget that you're playing into or the kind of uh, pr- price ticket that you have your product for and all of those things. But yeah, it's, it's today, it's all about mixed. It's, it's making sure that you are making it interesting as much possible.
0: Yeah, it's, it's it's very blurred, right? And uh, I've heard from me, oh, quite a few people, uh, like Chris Walker, who does the Dimension Live, is that he's he has like 20, 25 touches, high-quality touches. You can't write that many touches. And in fact, like you have said, it's so multi-channel. You can't uh, unless you're running cold email, or not not cold email, but unless you're running an email campaign and it's isolated. That's all you do. Then okay, maybe. But I just struggle with I struggle to see that like modern twenty twenty-one. <laughs> business would do that. <laughs> that right. would be uh, a bit of a strange one. <laughs> you have mentioned something really interesting about side gigs that it's like that you want to be, you want to build one that is so immersive that um, you kind of let it make the right people find you. Talk to right, me all exactly. about that because that's a really, really good point.
1: Yeah. The way I think about it is, you know um, when I started my career um, in Way back in 2008, what happened was uh, I was first offered a job in a Dubai-based company. Uh, It was a logistics company. Um, And what happened was the job got called off. Uh, it was recession. The job got called off. So I had to come back to Chennai and I had to figure out what to do next. And my first experiment was I thought, okay, I'm young. I'm just like about um, 23, 24. Let me give it a shot. Uh, Let me start my own uh, agency and see what happens. And I started my own company and I was like, you know, uh, having my um, uh, partnership with few companies in Belgium and Luxembourg. And then I was like fixing appointments and being a SDR slash BDR for uh, companies in the Europe and in North America. America. So it was so much of fun. And slowly, I I started developing different kind of skills back then. I mean, I, I did run my company for a couple of years before I learned the kind of mistakes that I made. And I eventually had to close down, I was not getting paid enough. But yeah, so in that journey, what I've learned is uh, you're not, never gonna get that perfect job that suits you so perfectly, uh, and it is you know it is about you experimenting with your side gigs. Um, so if I have to give you a couple of examples, when I first started writing a book, you know, my first ever book was uh, actually a fiction book. I was not even a marketing writer. I wrote oh, a really? uh, uh, yeah, I wrote a fiction book called uh, Taken Already. You know, it was a suspense thriller, a romantic suspense thriller, and. Uh, uh, so that happened. And then um, I saw myself speaking around the world in the uh, in, you know, marketing conferences, and uh, I was like helping people in the world of marketing. And one fine day, my publisher called me, I mean, so he's such a nice friend, like till date, uh, we work together. And um, he told me that, yeah, you know, uh, you do all these things in the world of marketing, and you're writing fiction books. And uh, if you are going to publish one more fiction book, uh, you know, I'm going to charge you double. <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> but if you decide to do a marketing book, I'll publish you for free. Okay, so I was like, wow, there's some guy going out of his way to, uh, you know, push me towards a particular direction because he sees something. And then I wrote my first marketing book called Is Your Marketing In-Sync or Syncing? And uh, at that time, I... Um, Interviewed different people around the world. It helped me build a lot of relationships. And then that's how I actually got into um, writing marketing books. So Mm. that was one side gig that pushed me into this direction. Second thing was, uh, you know, Manish and I, like my uh, co-host, uh, of the abm conversations podcast uh we both uh used to work for the same company like about two years ago and um one of the common things that really brought us together was we used to uh, meet up for coffee every day morning and discuss pretty much everything under the sun and we found out that um you know we both had the same kind of hatred for all those kind of bad bullshit marketing around the world and we wanted to really uh take a fight against it. So we thought we'll uh, put a camera to our conversations and we started something called Coffee Conversations. It was just a five minute video we used to post on LinkedIn um, that used to go out every Monday. And uh, one of the things that we both agreed on is the day we find this boring, we'll stop it. So we did about 50, 60 episodes and then we said, "Okay, this is kind of now getting to our head. It feels like work. It's not fun anymore. Let's drop it. And the day we dropped, we got a lot of DMs from different people and they were like, hey, uh, why did you uh, stop coffee conversations and why is there no coffee conversations today? And we were like, are people even serious about this? Uh, This is is crazy. This is fun. And then we both sat down, we decided, uh, hey, let's put our heads together and let's create some real meaty content out, not just five minute content. But let's get into like, you know, 45, 50 minutes or even one hour uh, content, dive deeper into topics. And when we listen to majority of the podcasts out there, you know, if you look at the world of podcasts, there are probably about a million podcasts. And specifically, when you look at uh, active podcasts, there are probably about 650,000 of them. And um, specifically, when you uh, niche down to marketing podcasts, majority of the podcasts are not even talking about the core subjects you know they are they are talking about like where did you go to college what coffee did you have today morning and blah 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 oh, all those things
0: <laughs> yeah. yeah
1: so I was, I was like this is this is uh this is not fair we want to get into the trenches and discuss the actual problems because we want to explore them you know like we ask people questions like hey, what is the current structure of your marketing team like how do you do the sales to marketing handoff um, and then like say for example if you're handling marketing for multiple countries in a domain like finance for example every country is going to have a different kind of a rule and um, how is that you um, you know you make sure that you're marketing relevantly in each country according to their laws so and then how how do you what is your br mix what is your branding mix what is your performance marketing mix uh, so what are the kpis are they measured you know you're measuring them into so these are the kind of things that we really wanted to learn and we wanted to ask we wanted to make sure that You know, these make sense. And for the first 13 or 14 episodes, we dived into these topics based on our understanding and what we felt about it and all of that. We did not even invite a guest. And uh, suddenly, you know, when we decided to open up, um, we started getting a lot of inbound guests. And uh, um, we would consider ourselves so lucky because we had some of the best minds in the world joining the ABM Conversations podcast. Like we had uh, Rand Fishkin join us. We had uh, Christopher Lockett join us. We had uh, John Miller of Marketo, uh, the founder of Marketo join us. So all these people They came in and we realized that this has become kind of a university for us in the sense like, you know, if we could, um, we could never reach out to these people just to spend about an hour or two to share the knowledge with us. But now this has become a great pretext for us to build a relationship as well as glean into their thought process and ask the questions that we have in our mind. And when you have such people... You know, if you don't ask the right questions, if you don't get the max out of that conversation, we are the losers. So that's what we wanted to do. So this is how all of our all of our side leagues, you know, right, right now as I'm speaking, you can see uh, I'm a bit emotional about it. I'm just, uh, you know, getting immersed into this. So right. we are so involved and it leads you to something. You know, we all, we think that this is part of something. We did not create this podcast uh, from the mindset of, you know, selling a product or selling something. Definitely not. We are not affiliated to any brand. We are not affiliated to any company for that matter. But we want to create that repository of B2B marketing content that people can come back. And, um, you know, if they are thinking about any topic, they should think like, okay, ABM conversations might have something on this. Let me go and check there. So that's what we wanted to create. So this is an example of what I call immersive. And this can definitely lead you to something large. You, you can now, when I look back, I know that, okay, these are the kind of topics that I was really excited about. These are the kind of things that I loved. When I look back and connect the dots, I can see that throughout my last 11, 12 years, um, I know that MarTech is my zone. Now, I uh, further narrowed down. I feel that okay, all forms of content is what I really loved out of all of it, and even further, what I loved is building that narrative and building that category, and uh, you know, telling that story is what right. all I'm about. So, you know, when you get immersed into the side gigs, you discover yourself as to uh, you start niching down. You discover yourself as to where you're going, what you're best at, and it it gives you the direction in the in in the journey itself.
0: It's such a profound point. I think it's super super important. Because it allows you, the work that that you do dictates you, it le- it le- it basically leads you to where you can go and you get this micro feedback loops to shape the job that you want that perfectly fits you, that the company will never give you because it doesn't exist. And more importantly, even if it exists, you don't know, but exactly. you have the micro loops and you're like, oh, I like that. Oh, I like that. And then you you basically create something from nothing and then people hire you because you already, you become better. And I think that's really magical when it happens. Yeah,
1: people want to see the proofs before they buy something. You know, it's a, very much like uh, the SaaS world. You have to have a free trial of something. You have to get a taste of something before they want to buy. So that's exactly how life is also working out.
0: I want to talk about LinkedIn because LinkedIn is, uh, I, have, I mean, we can't not talk about the LinkedIn. There's a lot of, Personal branding type of posts on LinkedIn. I know you had a bit of a rant on it. Uh, <laughs> what do you? It's like, and I like that because I see those too. I was really shitty as as a person. Then this happened, and I'm now I'm I'm the king. Um, not bad, not bad. It's 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 a, it's, a, it's a first it's a first crack at the storytelling, maybe as a junior marketer. But um, talk to me about that because you had some thoughts around it.
1: Yeah, yeah. See, the point is, uh, you know, uh, personal branding as a concept is so misconstrued and uh, misunderstood. People think that it's all the time talking about us. There are two spectrums here. One is uh, there is a set of companies where, uh, you know, all people try to do is just uh, be the bulletin board of their company. They're just either talking about, hey, you know what, my company acquired X, Y, and Z, or they're talking about, um, say, we are going to launch this product, Uh, you know, you should try this. And suddenly, you know, you realize that, when I look at their um, feed, it's all about only that. You you never see anything beyond it. And it, it was like, okay, the last company you were working, you said the same set of things. Now you're saying that for a different set of products, you're not building relationships. It's not relevant. And your connections are not even relevant to people. You're, you're probably having your uh, you know friends, uh, brothers and sisters, and they're not going to be buying your product. So first, make sure you're connecting with the right people. And then uh, at least build some sort of trust. I believe that any kind of marketing for, the, or any storytelling for that matter is just about two things. It's about building trust. It's about building relationships. If you do these two perfectly, it's, it's not you don't do it with the intent of getting some outcome out of those people, but you do it genuinely. And then you also throw out the areas of interest that you have and then see what sticks, you know. Uh, so... Uh, the, the other example that I spoke on LinkedIn is that, you know, uh, this, this uh, set of lines that came out as a rant. I said, like, you know, people say that I was shit and then I, I did this and I suddenly became a hit. You try it too if you see a fit. This it, it, is the same template that you, you see pretty much everywhere. You know, for one person, for two people, you can, like, okay, fine, this happened to them. But uh, it cannot happen to, like, you know, um, say millions of people. You just see the feed pretty much on the same day. Uh, in, the, in, in half an hour, you see five or six posts pretty much carrying the same story. It, it cannot really happen. And I was like, okay, people are probably using this as a formula, as a template. And that is what I'm dead against. The idea of personal branding in my mind is like, you don't do that. Um, when, when, you know, when I suddenly got listed as uh, among the top um, 100 MarTech influencers, I was not trying to be a MarTech influencer. I was right. not trying to influence a thought process at all. I was just talking about a set of things that I was deeply passionate about. And uh, in those days, I don't even think I was having a lot of engagement. Um, so I just spoke about a few things and maybe if it resonated with some people, they responded and we had a conversation. And all I focused on was trying to build those one-on-one relationships with specific set of people with whom it resonated and with whom I felt a connect. So that was that was all it was about. And then it translated into something, you know, you you suddenly start developing a personality where you feel that, okay, now um, I feel strongly about this because I've experienced this in the past. Now you talk with certain amount of authority. Now, authority is not a thing where you post your thought process on somebody. No, that's that's not the kind of authority we're talking about. we you're talking about, um, you've experienced this you have a strong opinion and like say today i had a um, I had a conversation with uh, chris walker on his post like you know he was talking about mm-hmm. uh, uh content experience platforms and uh, what he thinks about it so i shared my view saying that hey uh you know people people come to your website they see certain things and uh, you want to collect their data that is also one side and on the other side there's distribution so you give your perspective that whether these two can be married or not and unless you know the domain you cannot give your opinion And being able to give you an an opinion is what your personal brand is all about. For that, you have to niche down. For that, you have to uh, build some sort of expertise in your domain. And I also recently saw one post. I'm sure you saw that. (laughs) (laughs) I I ranted about that as well. You know, I I saw someone say that uh, marketing is expertise. I, I totally disagree. Marketing, yeah. probably if that person had said expertise is all about marketing, I would have agreed because, you know, for somebody to be an expert, that is also marketing, right? So if somebody says that this guy is an expert, he has marketed himself well, but just by having some expertise, the product is not going to sell. You know, people have to believe that this product, Clubhouse, again, right now, it's it's so hot because um, if they had come out and said that, hey, you know what, we are like WhatsApp and uh, you can do voice, uh, and we are not having those text options. It should have been a very sad story. But on the yeah. other hand, the way they sold is very different. They said we are we are you uh, know totally different kind of a platform, uh, you something that you've never seen before. And we are doing this only for uh, you know Apple users right now. So if you want to get in, uh, try. I mean, uh, we're going to let you uh, let you in only if some of some of your friends invite you who are already using the app. So they made it interesting. So that's what it's all about. <laughs>
0: So true. So true. And, uh, I think one of the other things that are important to add for people is before they get to that stage where they're considered a so-called expert or uh, AKA, they know what they're talking about. Uh, <laughs> and you want to build your brand, well then document your stuff. Like, like it, it, it's, it just put, put your things. Hey, I'm learning this. I'm reading this book. I'm doing that. And the engagement on those post will be super low. And but why people don't do that, no patience we are searching for a hack. We're searching for a formula. Like, I don't want to get two likes. I want to hack uh, uh, a shit, good, great story, put it into the post and get my 100 likes. And that's why it doesn't work. Because um, like what you did, you did it in a very slow, organic way. And um, one of the really great things you have done, I think, and that's what Godin talks about it in the practice, is that you're not looking for an outcome. You're not starting, oh, I'm going to do this if I get 10 likes. You're doing it... Regardless, that's what you do. And I think yeah, that's where exactly. the, real powerful.
1: Exactly. You know, one of the, the one of the quotes of Naval Ravikant, uh, you know, the, the founder of Angelist that He's I'm most guy. motivated by is, uh, he says, you know, build long-term relationships with long-term people. And uh, there's certain power to compounding. Right. So I strongly believe in that. So if you try to be a one day wonder, uh, it's not going to work. Probably, you know, one of your. you see, I also believe that marketing is such a humbling profession that it's going to humble you regardless. Uh, In sense, like, you know, sometimes you think this is going to work and you do a set of things. Nothing happens. So if I have to give you an example with my podcast, you know, I think uh, sometimes I think that, okay, having this guest and promoting it on this day with this kind of a story, it's going to really skyrocket and nothing happens. It tanks, you know, some other day I think, okay, this is okay, somewhat fine. I I don't really expect this to do well, but it will be a normal, uh, relatively better piece of content. So we have a basic bar. I think it crosses that. So let's go ahead and post it. And suddenly we see that, okay, this gets like 700, 800 downloads within two days. And we're like, wow, uh, what's, what's, uh, what's so amazing about it. So sometimes marketing or sometimes all of this life is so random that you never know what's going to happen. So you need to be consistent with that. So one of the things that I learned is, uh, you know, also in terms of domain, right? So I, I entered the MarTech domain around 2011, 2012, and I've stuck to that. So to get recognized in a particular domain, it's, it's going to be at least like a seven or eight year game. You have to invest yourself into it and you have to see what happens because suddenly you might get likes or you can get a lot of attention. But if you don't have depth, people are going to figure that out very quickly. You know, to have the depth, you have to put in the hard work, you have to uh, do the yards and see uh, where you get going with that. And second, you also have to discover if your interest in that domain is going to be there in the long term or not. If that's not emotionally connecting with you, then that will also very quickly show, you know, uh, I, I'm i a person who loses interest on several things very quickly. You know, what is of interest to me right now might not be uh, the next day. So when I start niching down, I I finally understand, okay, my niching is still happening within the same domain. So the domain is not wrong, but probably set sort of the things that I want to do anymore uh, is changing. I, I tell people that, uh, you know, there are so many things in the world of marketing that I don't want to do anymore probably i'm getting old i don't know <laughs> so yeah that's about it you just have to figure out your way and it's it's a very uh, it's it's a marathon it cannot be a hundred meter dash
0: self-awareness piece too which is really uh sounds easy in theory actually really hard to get like real yeah. self-awareness like you actually really understand oh i really love pr uh, i totally hate demand gen and facebook ads they sound super sexy but actually terrible um you just get <laughs> like you said like you do it enough times so you're like oh my god this really sucks Like, because it's it's, uh, marketing, like you said, it's true, like marketing is so broad, like there's so many different activities that bring completely different people, marketing ops person, uh, and then Facebook person and the PR person, very different folks.
1: Absolutely, absolutely. It's, it's always different. As you rightly said, you know, I have discovered that over the last few years, I've discovered that uh, Dimension is not a space that I want to be anymore. I mean, uh, we have been, uh, I've done that in the past. Like there have been places where, um, though I was the director of marketing for that company, I was the only marketing person in that company. So I've pretty much done everything from being a janitor to paying bills to actually doing webinars and product ownership and all of that. So I, I realized that, okay, after doing all of these things, what were the things that drained me and what were the things that left me energy take at the end of the day and when you think about all those things you have it's yeah as you said it's a lot of self-awareness it's a lot of observation that you need to yeah. know uh, and um, over the years you you will know you know as as you get older you also get a little wiser I guess
0: and you uh, the most important thing I think uh, is that you will never read it in a book nobody's going to give you the steps because they are so unique to you
1: exactly there is no single formula that's going to work for all. You know, you have to figure your way out. You have to try your experiments. So that's why I also talk, keep talking about experimenting. You just uh, start doing your set of things. Uh, and, you know, even like sometimes people come to me and ask, uh, hey, yeah, uh, I want to um, speak uh, in those platforms like the way you did. So then when I ask them, like, what do you want to speak on? Then they've not figured that out yet. And unless they figure out what is the subject, then they cannot figure out what platform. Right. So, um, you, know, it's, it's like content, you know, go back to the theory of content marketing. It's, it's not like, you know, um, the best content sells. No, uh, that's, that's probably something that is nice to hear, but the reality is the best content is also two things. One, you need to, um, position it and put it in front of the right kind of people. You have to start with distribution in mind. You have to understand like, okay, what kind of content suits my audience? Where is my audience hanging out? What are the typical problems? And, um, is this speaking to that? All right. So where, where do you think is the best place, uh, I put it, so that they find it? And then uh, you come back and then talk about those topics or probably get the right kind of guests to speak about those topics who can address those things. Then it becomes interesting. So yeah, it, it's it's usually, I think it's a, it's a reverse game. You know, you start from the result, coming back, and you discover yourself at your core. It's a reverse process. <laughs>
0: I think what's really interesting about this whole thing is that, and what people uh, who are starting, they need to really realize is that there is no blog, there is no book that will ever give you the depth. Because there's just so much relationship of one thing affecting the other thing that you will only know it when you do it 100 times, if you like it and if it actually works, and there's a lot of ifs, but like, it just, there's so much depth into the whole machine, the whole mechanism or mechanics of of, of one aspect, like maybe your content producer. And uh, I, I never seen a blog that, that talks about it because that would be like 800 pages. <laughs> Nobody's gonna read it.
1: Exactly. It, and it, this also happened sometime in my past, you know, I, I, um, in one of the companies that I worked in the past, like somebody came, came and told me that, Hey, why don't you write a, a 3000 word document on this so that it starts ranking. And then, uh, you know, I had a tough time explaining them that, you know, yes, we, I can write a 3000 word blog and uh, yes, you can definitely get it to rank. All of those things are possible, but there is a lot of difference between writing for people and writing for bots. It's you know it's it's two yeah. entirely different things. Um, you know, after being found, uh, I don't want to name this person, but I see this person pretty much when I search for certain topics. You know, his name comes up, and uh, uh, then when you read the topic, uh, the the way it's titled, it's it sounds very clickbaity. You you think that you're gonna get the answer for this, and then when you go into it, you realize it's it's all sorts of affiliate topics or the set of uh, companies that he is recommending is somebody that he's working for or representing or trying to build a backlink or blah 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 it's it's not really helping you know um so i it's sometimes it's people don't understand that and uh, you have to figure out the hard way and uh, those are the kind of things why we felt okay let me uh, do a side gate to experiment these things that i'm thinking about maybe i'm also wrong it's it's definitely possible and then you try those things and then you figure out and say okay maybe Tweak this, tweak that, and then finally figure out. So yeah, I, I I'm totally with you. You know, you're not never gonna get the formula. And even if you finally think that you have cracked it, marketing is again gonna humble you and things are gonna keep changing the next time.
0: So true. I wanna get a quick answer on this question from your perspective. Uh let's say you're posting on LinkedIn, quantity or quality? Typical question. And I will say a disclaimer that uh you are absolutely need to maintain a certain level of quality, You can can be just garbage through buffer or through Hootsuite. So let's say we have a decent level of quality. What's your take on uh, like a lot of posts and maybe we should quantify that, let's say six posts a week versus two posts a week that maybe will be slightly better quality?
1: Right. So. Um I don't think there is never an argument about quantity versus quality. Uh, I I um, never agree to that debate. I'm, I mean, see, you can define a threshold of quantity. Like, say, for example, I do one post a day, and to do one post a day, uh, you can you can still uh, do it of certain quality, or you can think about it, and you can. And sometimes it's it's uh, when it comes to LinkedIn, I wouldn't think too much of what I'm posting because i'm just uh, speaking my heart out and i use it as a platform where i just speak my mind and um, see what happens because at the end of the day um, the people that i'm connected to what i did recently on linkedin is like i had about 16000 contacts and i um, removed about 8000 of them uh, you know in the second week of december and a lot of That's people lot told of work. me that this is yeah. A lot of, and LinkedIn doesn't make it easy, as you said, you know, I cannot uh, select a set of people and remove. Why I wanted to do this was I had a lot of people in the IT management domain uh, that was not related to uh, anything that I do. So if LinkedIn is going to show my content to some of those people and they don't react and then, you know, it's not going to make sense. It's just going to go waste. So I wanted to make sure that the the set of people that I'm connected to is relevant. So I just uh, stripped that down. So yeah, in terms of um, uh, Quantity versus quality, I would say it's it's both. You need to uh, have a certain base level of uh, quantity, but you need to uh, put your uh, you know utmost respect to the quality of content that you're creating.
0: You're a book author. You wrote uh, well. You started with science fiction uh, in from since two thousand sixteen. You wrote three books on marketing. a Recently published one in May uh, last year. So writing a book it's super challenging how has your process writing process changed over time uh and what was it like at the beginning
1: Wow. <laughs> so right now you know I'm I'm not the pro, I'm not a process guy okay so um, one of the biggest difference between um, me and my co-host uh, of the podcast Manish is that um, you know he's a very process oriented person and I'm the least process oriented guy we are this yin and yang kind of a combination uh, within the team so In terms of writing books, um, the way I started uh, my first book, I used to write in a very linear fashion. Um, Like when I wrote my fiction, it was like, it was a story, obviously, you know, I I had a particular uh, screenplay running in my head. So that's Mm -hmm. how I went about writing it. But in my most recent book, uh, like I would have written my first chapter, then I would have written another chapter. And then I, uh, like, once I finished about seven or eight chapters, then I thought, okay, I want to insert one more chapter between three and four. You know, that becomes my force. So it it happens because you think with a thought, you you start with a thought process. You think, okay, um, this is what I want to communicate when it comes to revenue marketing. And then like I had this framework of game model uh, where I'm talking about uh, gather, agree, map, and execute, and then I uh, started talking about specific problems as to like you know people use a lot of like people have subscribed to a lot of tools which they don't go back and check. That was one problem statement I had in mind. Then another statement I had in my mind was like you know um, pre-COVID people were spending a lot on events, but lot of people a lot of people don't understand that. Uh, people who come to events are not necessarily planning to come to your booth. They are coming to network. They are, you know, going there to listen to uh, thought leaders and probably do something else, not not to visit your booth. So if you're spending so much there, like $20,000, $30,000, or $50,000 on your booth, then it's going to go waste. Second is like your relationships with agencies. You know, uh, I was thinking about like, Agencies is always generally what they give you is uh, how many clicks, uh, like what happened, like how many leads, and blah blah blah. But what are you measuring? You know, you're you're, uh, you're looking at. What revenue did you uh, extract out of this campaign? So it's important to not just look at um, uh, look at the channels, but you need to know which channel is working for you. Is it really making sense for you to invest on this channel? So overall, you come back and develop a set of process and uh, repeatable set of procedures and programs that helps you uh, drive that recurring revenue and make sure that your uh, difference between your customer acquisition cost and uh, customer lifetime value is coming together. So with... Uh, so when you get these ideas, you start thinking about where to insert which and what sequence makes sense. So you don't right. start with sequential mindset, but you start somewhere and then start adjusting. And finally, when you read and reread, and then I also had the opportunity of, uh, you know, sharing this book with a lot of, um, you know, great minds like Sangram vajray Scott Brinker, um, and uh, all of these folks who read the book and gave me their feedback. So it helped me improve it, uh, you know, on the go as well.
0: You don't you don't uh, uh, aim for a certain number of pages or a certain number of chapters. You write um, in terms of here's the ideas I want to expand on. You write them, then you see which paragraph I need to add or, or remove, and then whatever whatever the length is, then maybe it's like if it's too long, then you can kind of like trim it down, yeah. right?
1: for some reason you know i cannot write uh, um i cannot write in a very expansive manner like I, I i don't think i can ever write a 300 page book or a 250 page book uh because when i write um i try to crystallize as much possible and i try to make it as simple as possible in the way i write and um, so when I write a story, you know, if something can be told in about 100 words and 150 words, it's better you leave it there than trying to, I would because this is also coming from my experience. I told you most of the things that uh, we start like coffee conversations on the podcast was because of the frustration that we had about the way marketing was going on or the way certain things are done. So even with books, right? When I used to read a lot of books, um, I used to feel that, okay, uh, if I can read the 20 pages of this book. I know what this book is all about. Now the rest, the author is just talking about uh, more and more stories around it, giving more and more examples. And like he's he's wasted another two hundred fifty pages. Like pretty much the book is done in twenty five pages. So why why should you do that? And uh, when I I started writing, I I kept those things in mind. I said like if I'm writing hundred pages, those hundred pages needs to have some strong content. Otherwise, you know, I won't expand on it.
0: That's so true. So true. Yeah, we are almost uh, almost out of time. Um, is there anything I have missed? And you wished I have asked you that I didn't. Uh, no, or- I,
1: I just I just came in like you know with a very open mind. I don't know what was going to come at me, and I think I'm having utmost fun. So you you asked all the brilliant questions, and I just went on a rant.
0: <laughs> that is awesome. Now I still wanna I still ask you the, the last one. What would be your final message to to the audience? Let's say people who are in marketing. Maybe they're. Far along in marketing, maybe they are business owners, CEOs. Anything that you'd love to um, love to leave them with?
1: Yeah, just one line. I would say, um, you know, don't take yourself too seriously. So that's my only message. Um, when you take yourself way too seriously, you become egoistic. You think, okay, uh, how can I make a mistake? Like, you know, you uh, you start becoming uh, like Monica of friends. <laughs> you don't want to be that. You know, you be a little more relaxed you know you can make mistakes things are gonna go wrong and uh, be there with a very open mind like today i came to this podcast and uh if if i did very badly uh what's the worst thing that could happen you know you would never invite me again i'm not gonna die <laughs>
0: <laughs> no, that's a great advice that is a really good one yeah that was super fun thank you so much thank you for sharing your wisdom uh that was that was great
1: thank you so much for having me such a pleasure